hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. The crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize. And the Hindu vocalize. Grim gray ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook, place it by your side. Shrouded in your goddish eyes. They pretend to terrorize. Grim gray ghosts come out to socialize. Welcome to Movie Ministry. Each week we talk pop culture entertainment and how it relates to the teachings of Jesus. Whether movies, TV, streaming, we talk about it. My name is Aris Buckner. I'm a Christian husband, father, pastor, designer, and nerd. You know the deal. Um, and, you know, today is a special podcast. I'm, I'm trying to get this in right before Halloween and hopefully you listen to it before Halloween or you listen to it after Halloween. You know, you got that kind of couple weeks, um, give or take a cushion. Most of you probably would listen to it much later, but this is uh, in the the season um, uh, for Halloween. It's a couple days right before, and the topic for the day, we're going to talk about uh, Stranger Things uh, and how it relates to Mark 5, and not just Stranger Things, but I think horror movies in in general, sci-fi horror movies in general, and how they connect um, with uh, Mark chapter 5 specifically, or the story of the demoniac. We'll look at that and, and connect uh, those uh, elements together and, and find out what can we learn from what Jesus does and how he tackles these issues in light of, um, you know, movies that we see can have more of a, a horror genre tint to them. Now, be, before we get into it, this is not your traditional um, kind of movie review, movie podcasts. I know you maybe saw the name Movie Ministry. And, and what that means is that this is a Christian entertainment review type podcast. I'm a pastor in Philadelphia, and and I will be taking um, elements or, or sharing aspects from movies that we know and love and connecting them with scripture and with different types of stories and scripture and things like that. Um, I Like I said, I'm a pastor in Philadelphia, and I love movies. I love everything about movies. I grew up loving movies uh, far beyond me um, becoming a Christian. Now, when I became a Christian, um, my love for Jesus and my love for movies, I wanted to find a way to connect those two. Because the same stories that we uh, watch and move us, we can find similar connections and parables that Jesus talked about in his teachings. And not just the parables, but even just the accounts in the Old Testament and, and different stories that were handed down to them, accounts handed down to them, history that they learned from. And these same characters in these stories or accounts, we can see played out on film or in books that we read or in video games that we play uh, today. And so uh, and stories have that effect. Um, but but again, we're not going to be like a traditional movie, movie review podcast where we're talking about aspects of the film 
elements and detail and plot points, character development, film structure, visuals, dialogue, all that stuff. We're not going to get deep in the weeds of those things because this is not what this podcast is geared for. If you want to know that, there's tons of other podcasts for you to check out that's apart from that. What I want to do, again, is bring the Christian element to it, take a deep dive in different character um, motivations at times, depending on the podcast, moral themes and things like that and how they relate to the Bible. Now, all that being said, let's talk about the format of movie ministry. And again, some of you guys who have been listening to the last couple episodes, you kind of get this down. I'm just going to quickly go through these. If you want a further, um, I guess, extrapolation of these things, you can go back and listen to the first podcast. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about four elements, uh, usually in the podcast, first impressions. What did I think of the film or movie show, or not movie show, but um, streaming show? Uh, or book or whatever material. What do I think of the material? Um, next is the forbidden fruit. What is this? What does this material teach us? This entertainment teach us about the human struggle. Like, and, and that's forbidden fruit. And and just like in Genesis three in the Bible, you have the forbidden fruit that Adam and Eve were tempted to, uh, and and it, well, they were tempted, but they also gave in to eat. But that struggle in that, it's something that that we want to attain to think that will solve everything, but it doesn't actually creates more issues. And and so we're going to talk about that. There's always a human struggle and a lot of this into entertainment that we consume in terms of uh, TV and movies and, or books um, or videos. There, there's, there's this human struggle that, that we think, hey, if we attain this, then things will be solved. But many times it gets us into more trouble. The next part is the come to Jesus moment. And I love this. And it's kind of a popular religious phrase, but I love this because this is, where does this meet? Where, where does this piece of material that we're looking at, particularly today, Stranger Things and the TV show and all three seasons, how does that connect to Jesus? Where do we find common ground in the scriptures or stories that kind of connect with that same uh, element? And we're going to talk about that. Lastly is personal revelation. Um, what, what, do, what do I learn from all of this, from watching this material, watching Stranger Things, connecting it to Mark chapter 5? What do I get out of all of that? And what do I learn? And 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 to help me be a better Christian. And so we'll look at that. So let's get on to the first part, which is the amazing first impression. Okay, so we are going to look at the first impressions. And um, I just want to start that I love Stranger Things mainly because of where it takes place, which is in the 1980s. And for me, I'm an 80s kid, I was born in 80. Um, now, I was young going through the 80s, but a lot of kind of the tail end of the 80s, or just even even as a kid, a lot of those movies have shaped me or been around me. And so coming into the tail end of the 80s into the 90s, I did a lot of my time, late 80s, early 90s, 
you know, rewatching all of those uh, films in the 80s and particularly sci-fi horror, which, you know, um, my mom didn't have much standards <laughs> in terms of what I watched as a kid. And so I watched pretty much everything and uh, especially the sci-fi horror. And I'll share some of my favorites. But the 80s, in my opinion, produced some of the best sci-fi horror films ever to this date. And so I'm going to go through uh, some of those. And I'll give the year and stuff like that. Now, me sharing these films, I don't endorse these films. Um, a lot of them have mixed elements in it. And and um, even listening to this podcast, if this is something that kind of, you know, challenges your conscience and stuff, I, I encourage you not to listen. You know, um, I'm reminded of Romans 14 where Paul talks about that when he's talking about um, meat and vegetables and 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 how we need to allow our consciousness to guide us and so some of these movies i will share i will let you know hey you know this is not a good watch now um but but you know just to be aware uh where of these things now i don't i'm on the other end where you know a lot of uh, sci-fi horror films to me um become in the comedic realm because i know who god is and people attempts to try to uh conjure up evil or sci-fi what things could be are completely way off base because I know the scriptures. And so um, in my conscience, it doesn't have a whole lot of effect. Now, again, I, I am very um, guarded in what I watch and, and what I don't watch and, and what I allow me to take in. But I'll, I'll put that up before you. Again, if it offends your conscience, you know, then skip over to another podcast that I do in the future. Uh, if it doesn't, then we can dive into some of these uh, movies that I really love. And and that um, and I love that, that idea, uh, you know, as a kid, uh, obviously, prior to becoming a Christian, really it, it was a lure there in terms of the horror and evil. I think in general, um, and not not evil itself, but but the things that that are beyond. And 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 we're going to talk about that when we get into Mark chapter five, because there is this pull and allure uh, for people of of the unknown or are crossing over to the spooky places. Again, like I said, we'll talk a, l- a little bit about that later. But some of my favorite uh, films of the '80s that have to do with uh, sci-fi horror. Legend in 1985, you have a young Tom Cruise, love uh, that movie. Lost Boys, 1987, uh, kind of a vampire movie. Um, great uh, take on the vampire movie. That was something on repeat for me. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, I don't recommend people watching that. It was a it was a very dumb movie, but it was one of those movies that look back on like does not age well. 1988 uh, is when that came out. Uh, Beetlejuice, which um, I saw not too long ago, still has um, rewatchability on that one. Uh, that was uh, Michael Keaton, which um, he did a fantastic job in. And, and once you watch Beetlejuice, uh, you know, I saw that um, late 80s. You can't undo that because it seems like Michael Keaton, there's elements to, to his character in Beetlejuice and everything that he acts in. And and, and if you don't believe me, watch the movie and, and then watch everything else that he does. Uh, Labyrinth, uh, really love that that movie. That That's a great re-watch, uh, rewatch as well. Uh, I love um, movies with puppets. And, and obviously, the 80s, you had The Muppet Show and uh, late 70s into the 80s. And, you know, and, and, and really, Muppets were, were in. Uh, in such a, a big way. And so uh, here, the labyrinth uses utilizes a lot of that. And really spooky, because you think it's a kid's film. Not really a kid's film, but it gets uh, pretty spooky uh, at, at times. That was 1986. Big Trouble in Little China. Again, you may say, well, are these really horror, horror films? You know, I, these are rewatchable 
uh, horror films, um, most of them, not all of them, that I can watch. I wouldn't necessarily categorize them as horror films, but they were scary to me because, again, uh, in the 80s, I was a kid. And and a lot of these films that I love, the sci-fi horror, you find elements in Stranger Things uh, as well. Um, but Big Trouble Little China has some scary elements to it that, that kind of feels, it feels very, it is 80s. Um, Critters is another one, 1986. And Big Trouble Little China was 1986 as well. 1986 produced a lot of good movies. But Critters, uh, and that one is, is one of those, it's another kind of dumb uh, horror, a scary film. Um, Predator was, was was the real deal. And then that still in some way tells a very uh, gruesome, so I don't encourage you know watch that one. But I, that is one that I, I'd watched as a kid in 1987, which is strange to say that as a kid. I would never let my kids watch these movies. Um, but again, like I said, growing up, I uh, didn't have a lot of restriction on what I watched uh, prior to being a Christian. But that Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that one. Uh, the Fly, which it still spooks me out today, 1986, Jeff Goldblum. That was a, a scary film. I think um, uh, director Cronen, Cronenberg, I think, did that one. That That's a um, one of those staples uh, during that time. Little Shop of Horror, funny, but definitely not something you can rewatch uh, today. I know Rick Moranis is in, I think, Steve Martin as well, and that was 1988. Uh, Alien and Aliens, Alien in 1982, Aliens in 1986. Great, great. Um, those are kind of some... I, films I can go back and rewatch, um, set the tone in the horror g- genre, um, and uh, great again. And and all the aliens films since have been trying to catch up uh, what those films made people feel. Um, the Thing in 1982, Kurt Russell I believe is in that one. Great uh, again. That that as a horror fan, man, that that was a that was a great spooky spooky film. And some of these have, uh, these last few have uh, some uh, sentimental value. Again, I don't know how much you hang on, on more sci-fi than, than horror. Some has some horror elements to it. Uh, not really, I mean, I don't even say horror, I say scary, spooky elements is more. Uh, so there's some in that list I mentioned earlier, like Predator and the Fly, uh, maybe Alien Aliens and the Thing can give more of a, a horror vibe. Uh, maybe Lost Boys, Legend. But majority of the movies on the list, more of kind of spooky, scary, um, kind of uh, light, uh, spooky, scary. Um, Empire Strikes Back. Now, you may be asking me, and that's 1980, and you think, what are you talking about? That's more sci-fi fantasy. And it is. But as a kid, when I watched that, and, and the reveal of Darth Vader being the father of Luke, spoiler alert, uh, if you have not seen that film yet, where have you been? But um, as a kid, that that really scared me. It's like, wow, like... Um, to have this guy in the universe who's this, this big bad dude in the universe be the actual father of, of our of our hero. Um, that, that threw me for a loop. Uh, E.T., 1982, love that one. Great, and it has rewatchability. And that's something I can't see, I can see with my kids. A lot of Stranger Things pull from that movie. So if you haven't seen that movie, that's something I, that one of the few in this list I would recommend you to go back and, and rewatch Empire Strikes Back as well because you get... Um, well, not so much for Stranger Things, but E.T., you do get a lot of elements of Stranger Things um, in, in um, elements of E.T. in Stranger Things, sorry. Uh, so go back and watch that. Really great. Uh, Gremlins as well. You get uh, a, a, some, and that's 1984. You get some elements of that movie Gremlins in uh, E.T. as well. And, and it's kind of critter, critter type movie. I love that. That's like my Christmas movie. And that sounds strange because that movie takes place uh, in Christmas. And you have like some 
fun comical elements in, in that. And that, that's a film I really love, uh, Gremlins. Um, uh, one of my favorite characters in all of a film is um, a mogwai uh, that, I, that I love. You, again, if you, do, you know what that is, then you, you, you relate. If you don't, Go watch, go watch the movie. That's a movie I can recommend you go, go see. It can be scary at times, but but more on the lighter end, like like a Beetlejuice. Um, and then last, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, nineteen eighty four, um, which I think the the comedy play on um, the horror genre uh, early on. Young Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, love, love, love uh, that movie. Still holds up. Again, all the subsequent movies have been trying to chase that one ever since. I mean, it, that that is such a classic and, and so still funny. Um, and, and again, you, you'll not a lot of elements in Stranger Things. I think Stranger T- Things pull more from E.T. and some other movies surrounding that. Uh, maybe The Thing. But um, again, it, those who are real hardcore film fans will have more connections than I, I do. But but knowing these movies, I think E.T. is kind of the one that you see the most in in the tone of it. But let's get to Stranger Things. So you have Stranger Things aired in 2016 and uh, has three seasons. Overview, you have a group of kids fighting against the supernatural force, trying to take over their small town and really the world in Hawkins, Indiana. Um, you know, season there's three seasons. Season one, you have main uh, one of the main characters, Will Byers, who goes missing um, in, in Hawkins in this small town. He turns up in this place called the Upside Down, the supernatural place. And it's and all this is going to connect when we start to get into scripture, um, which I'm really excited about because it's, it's really it's really cool. Um, but but people are searching for him, his his friends, his mom Joyce, his brother uh, Jonathan, and then you have his his close friends Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, um, and the police chief Jim Hopper, which you know um, is just these are some great characters. Once you get into to to watch Stranger Things, you, you love these characters, and there's some other uh, people along the way. Um, you know, one thing leads to another. They they go on this adventure in the first season, save Will from the Upside Down. Um, but along the way, they meet um, this uh, girl named Eleven who has this, in, these uh, special abilities from these experiments, and she helps them, um, you know, save them. She helps them throughout these seasons because she's, she's, she's the beast. Um, just does, Millie Bob Brown does a great job in that role. Um, but at the end of season one, we, we see that Will has this weird connection to this Upside Down, the supernatural place, this, this kind of weird, evil place um and that leads into season two where will finds himself as a target of the upside down um and he's being um chased by this this greater being in the upside down that we come to find out is called the mind flayer who terrorize the the citizens of hawkins and again you have your familiar crew joyce uh who was will's mom um hopper uh who's the the cop he goes from jim to now hopper and then you have uh, everyone else, uh, Mike, um, uh, Nancy, uh, who's Mike's sister, um, and then Will's brother, Jonathan. And uh, now you have Steve, who I love Steve in the series, who in this part of, of the story, uh, again, a lot of these are going to be some spoilers. So I should have said that on the front end, um, you know, totally sorry. But now, as you know, there's going to be some spoilers. So go back and watch them. But if you've seen them, the, these things are kind of a... A refresher because I think season four is just around the corner. Um, but you know, you have 
uh, at the time, Nancy's dating Steve. Steve is one of my favorite characters who grows on me, especially going into uh, season three. Uh, but again, you have the same group. You have Dustin, Lucas, Mike, and all of them coming together uh, along with Will to try to, to, to help him um, fight against this mind flayer. Uh, and you have some newcomers, uh, a girl from California named Max, who Lucas ends up um, falling in love with. And, and so they all kind of band together, this really cool group, which um, harkens back to uh, movies like The Goonies, um, that you have these kind of band and team together, Stand By Me, movies like that, a group coming together. And again, with the tone of a kind of an, an E.T. Uh, feel. Season three, you're now, we're now in the summer of 1985 in, in Hawkins. There's a new mall that opens up, which I love season three. All the memories of malls and how a lot of our lives, of my life, growing up in the 80s and to the 90s, was centered around malls. Everyone wanted to go to the mall. Uh, not so much now, um, but but it was then for much of my childhood and, and on to uh, adulthood. Um, but you have this mall called Star Court Mall. And a lot of the, the show then, or the season, evolves around this this mall. And the production values is, is incredible. Again, you have Hopper, who's in there. Same crew, Levin, Mike, um, Dustin, Lucas, Max, um, along with Joyce, um, Will's mom, Will, is there, and, and they're all there to, again, fight against uh, the Upside Down. Mind Flare is now uh, channeling through Max's brother. Um, his, his name is escaping me now, but uses him to try to take over the town. And it's kind of the same, same old, same old. And hopefully you get a theme is that once they, they think they've defeated the Upside Down, it continues to come back, right? Uh, and that, that is kind of the the same old song for movies or at least movies who have that have sequels or shows that have sequels you got to continue the story going and and to the detriment you know the term jumping the shark you find a lot of these shows or movies that that the sequels ends up running out and ends up losing its juice towards the end and that is the challenge to keep them going which um a separate note, which we will do a podcast in the future about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It did a great job. Now there weren't sequels, so to speak, but but it did seem like one long TV show in movie form. But they think they had done the best job I've seen from I think a twenty one movie arc um, over a span of I think eleven years or so, maybe more. Again, I don't have it in front of me. They did a great job to keep you entertained and, and really have a an arc, a story arc that finishes fairly well in, in my opinion so but again that's another time for another story so that gives you a sense of, of stranger things right and 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 kind of first impressions of my first impressions overall love the series some stronger than others i love the the first season and and second season third season had elements i like but you can tell that they've got to land the story some some time soon or it's going to lose its steam so to speak so let's go to the next part as we dive in um, and talk a lot about um, the forbidden fruit and what does that mean? So, so be thinking about that. We, we've talked about the elements of the show so far, talked about some movies that they're drawing from and just 80s movies in general. And if you're born in the 80s or familiar with the 80s, you'll, you'll notice a lot of those movies I've mentioned. But then, you know, how they can, can influence a, a, a show like Stranger Things. But then, you know, we can get a, a good sense of, of this element of, again, a band of, uh, uh, of, of friends trying to take on a greater enemy. 
That leads us to this idea of forbidden fruit. And like I mentioned before, this idea of forbidden fruit is the human struggle. Um, and we all have it. And again, it goes back to Genesis 3, where you think, hey, if I get this, this is going to solve my problems, but but it doesn't. And and I think the forbidden fruit in, in all the seasons, really, of Stranger Things is this idea that you want things to go back to the same uh, or to stay the same. Um, you, you want to continue um, what was before, whether season one will, uh, who end up getting captured going to upside down wanted his life to go back to the same but it but it, it didn't he, he went to a place that that really made him feel and change certain things that he can never go back to right you have these different characters or or his mom and and how she felt uh through really the whole season of losing feeling like her son was abduct, abducted and and killed you know or or, or have, or have died and and as a parent you can understand the feelings and emotions that go along with that a feeling like you've lost a child but she can't go back to that 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 drama that trauma that that has happened and occurred in season one she can't go she can't go back to normal or even their friendship of, of the the band of crew whether you have dustin and mike will uh, lucas and now max and and eleven that, that their relationships aren't going to be the same from season one to now season three. It's constantly changing and changing in many ways. Their uh, interpersonal relationships have changed. So, you know, throughout those seasons, some get closer, some pull away, some develop new friendships. Like, like they don't stay the same. And it's always this fight for them to stay the same. And, it, and, and again, we'll talk about that later. But it is for all of us, we want things to stay the same. It's hard to go beyond a place that's comfortable and then come back um, or even to just take the, the faith to leap out of the boat, so to speak. Right. Um, throughout the series, we see the love interest. Uh, again, there's a lot of forbidden fruit there where you want the love interest to stay the same. You know, in the beginning, you have Mike and Eleven and his love interest, and it just takes these rocky turns and they go up and down and, and it's and it just not the same. You know, uh, Joyce and Hopper, um, you know, uh, Will's mom and, 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 and Officer Hopper, like their relationships go up and down and, and they don't stay the same that they were in the beginning. Um, then you have, um, you know, uh, Nancy and, and Steve. They start off with a relationship and then it changes and then Nancy and Jonathan are now in a relationship and their relationship is rocky because of things that, that's going on. And then some of the newer relationships we find is, is Max and Lucas. Max is, is uh, the the young girl from California who moves in and and befriends and and her and Lucas have a relationship and that doesn't stay the same um and they have their own um uh, challenges and, and I think season three kind of shows shows those challenges of them becoming and coming to, of age and learning and growing and being different right and then ultimately Hawkins itself doesn't stay the same to where we need it in season one because of the upside down because of this portal to this other world that um, you know, this lab or or, or um, this government agency is, is digging into that opens up. It changes the small town forever. People in Hawkins don't get Hawkins the same. You know, it's completely every season is changing and becoming something different. And, and really this this dimension, this this dark place seems to, to have this, this looming cloud over it. Right. And, and ultimately, uh, in season three, 
You see that from the mind flare, uh, this, this evil entity that ultimately is taking over and consuming Hawkins and making it a place that's, that's different from, from what we see it in season one, episode one. And that's the forbidden fruit. We, I think that's true for us in our lives. I mean, it's true for me in my life. Uh, there's aspects that um, I'm always wanting to go to, um, back to at least, I would say, in my childhood or memories or, or a particular period of my family's life where it, it felt like it was easier or happier or, or more safe, you know. Um, and, and, and you can fill in the blanks for yourself. Um, I think there is this always drawing back to when things were good. Um, and that's even the rhetoric in, in our politics, you know, uh, going back to um, the good old days or, or, or to, to which, you know, I, was always, I would always argue, when are those good old days? Um, and not just in our, in our politics, in our world, in our culture, but even in, in my life, like what are those good old days? Um, as long as I'm there, the, <laughs> there's potential for uh, a disaster, right? And it's not kind of woe is me mentality, but I'm not perfect. And, and that's what the Bible teaches, that there, there's things on my part, sin on my part that, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And so, you know, I mean, what, what, what is these, these good old days that we're talking about? Um, there's always going to be things that we're going to have to go through, things that we're going to have to deal with and persevere through. And, and don't get caught up in this forbidden fruit thinking that if, if only you were uh, to go back to when things were simpler. Um, again, I would argue, I don't think there's ever were a simpler time. I think life can be complicated with technology and things like that, but I don't think life is ever simple. Um, even you look at it ancient times, when we read scripture, but whether Old or New Testament or, you know, Tanakh or the, the, the New Testament, they still had issues. King David still had issues. Abraham still had issues. And they, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, which you can't see, simpler times. So we just have to be careful with that forbidden fruit of the struggle. Hey, I, wanna, I want things to stay the same when I thought they were good. Because, you know, there are elements of that. But again, if, if we really were honest with ourselves, there are elements that there's still going to be things we need to grow in or things that we need to change and become someone different. And today you can find a still you can find those those silver lining in, in the midst of a pandemic and, and everything else going on of, of what God is teaching us. And, and you see that through Genesis to Revelation. Um, I feel like God teaches more from what I see in Scripture through hard times and we grow more through hard times. Um, because there's a lot that's being exposed, a lot that we're forced to change. And we're going to see that when we get into Mark chapter 5. So let's get to the next point where we talk about this come to Jesus moment.
Okay, so here we are in our next uh, point of these kind of four sections. You know, we talked about first impressions and just our, you know, my love for Stranger Things and 80s movies. And then we talked about that forbidden fruit, uh, this human struggle. And it's always something that, you know, like Adam and Eve, we, we want to, to capture and we think it's going to solve whatever issue we think it's going to solve. And it doesn't. It creates more problems. And in, in Stranger Things case, it's this idea of wanting things to stay the same and striving for that. And I think the characters get mixed up when they try to do that because things aren't the same. They've gone through some severe traumatic experiences that won't, things won't be the same. And they need to be okay with that. Uh, and here's this, this come to Jesus moment where, when we get into the scriptures and, and, and here's this connection that, we wanna, that I would like to make. And if you would go on this adventure with me, um, you'll see this element of stranger things um, in the scriptures, right? And it's really cool. So Mark chapter 5, and we're just going to camp out in Mark chapter 5. We're going to go through each verse, break it down, talk about verse by verse, and and, and, sheds, and I'll try to shed some light on these aspects uh, of the verses. And uh, and I'll have the, the show notes uh, somewhere where you can click on within the description of uh, the um, you know podcast, or you can go to the YouTube channel and, and find it there. But let's just start. So Mark chapter one, I'm reading the NIV. We're going to kick, kick it in the NIV translation. So if you don't have the translation, you can go and switch there and follow along. Um, but if you want to stay in the translation that you're in, you can do that. That's totally fine. It's still the same scriptures. And so Mark chapter five and verse one, it says they, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And we're going to stop there. One verse that many of us can, can gloss over or read over and not get the significance of how important this event really was. And so when talking about the region of the Gerasenes, now there, there's this idea of um, this, I don't know if, if, if the Jews will call it the triangle, but there's this area around um, uh, uh, the lake there near near Galilee where you had these, these uh, centers of religious uh, communities. Uh, and, and so... Uh, I don't, again, I'll put it in the show notes, the map, but you had um, one side where all the Jews were uh, and in their kind of religious comfortability. And then you had um, another side where the Gentiles were, and obviously Gentiles are non-Jews, where the Jews didn't set foot in, like they just didn't venture out to. It was, you know, hush, hush, please don't go over there, right? And this is this this place. Um, the Jews were to believe that that where the Gentiles reside was really evil. Now a lot of that stems back to the Old Testament of Tanakh, where God lays out um, kind of the forbidden places to not go to, and and hey, don't even get caught um, mingling with these people. You know, you go through uh, the Old Testament. Um, you see this idea of God saying, I want you separate. And then you get the same thing in, in, the, in the New Testament as well. Hey, I want you separate to stay away from um, these uh, groups of people because of who they worship and what they believe and that there'll be an influence onto you. Now, that's that's Old Testament. That's, that's the Tanakh. And so the Jews obeyed. You know, they stayed in a particular place and didn't venture out from it. You know, they would pass through and have to 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 do business and stuff, but it was kind of this dirty feeling that they had to feel like they need to cleanse themselves. Like literally these places where the quote unquote, what they would call pagans live, the Gentiles, non-Jews live, was really cursed ground. 
And here's where the connection comes to the Stranger Things I thought of. It was the upside down for them. It was this spooky place, this dark place where ghosts and ghouls live, right? I mean, there were there were demonic forces that you were to stay away from. It was believed to be a place of evil, you know, where God did not reside. You know, he wanted his people to, uh, you know, you know, um, his people near the the temple, the place where he he reside. And Jews would never set foot in these places. You wouldn't get caught wandering here. But now we we read in Mark chapter five, Jesus, their rabbi, you know, um, is now taking them across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes and a place highly populated by pagans, by Gentiles, by the unknown, the otherworldly people of this land. And so if it, it, it would feel like going into the upside down, you, you know, the disciples, uh, these band of, you know, like our band of characters that we find in Stranger Things, exploring and going into uh, the upside down. And, and it is very much that way. You know, when we think of the disciples, many times we can think of, uh, you know, older middle-aged men. They were not older or middle-aged men. They were more like high schoolers, right? Like like older teenagers. And, and, and you know, you can go back and do some study. I'll put some, some links in the show notes that, you know, to go out and to follow a rabbi you were anywhere from 17 to 19. You know, that's when you took out to venture out um, to follow a rabbi and, and commit your life's work to. And if not, you would go back to your father's trade or family trade. And so this this group of disciples, they were they were young men, boys, I, I would dare say. Except for, for Peter. I think it's believed that him being a little older. But but here here you find, again, much like Stranger Things, these these young men boys, along with their rabbi, <laughs> leading them, you know, Jesus like Hopper, you know, I mean, less uh, gross and, 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 and crude, uh, uh, much less. Uh, he, he's, Jesus is awesome. But, but here he is leading them into the unknown, leading them into a place where you're not supposed to go. Spooky, right? Let's read on. In uh, verse 2 of Mark 5, it says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained at hand and foot, and he tore his chains apart and his irons and broke the irons on his feet. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. We'll stop here. I mean, imagine the sight. This is such a spooky sight. This guy is, again, well, let's back it up. So Jesus takes his, his young troop, you know, as he's like the, the, this young Boy Scout troop as he crosses over the lake to the Gerasenes and they land in the spooky place where no good Jew would want to be. Here they find themselves. And the first encounter that, you know, first encounter that they have, all their fear is realized. This is hilarious. The first encounter that they have is a naked, demon-possessed man. I mean, this dude is cutting himself with stones. He's living amongst the tombs. He's in a cemetery, a creepy cemetery. How Halloween can you get, right? Creepy cemetery. Guy crawls up, you know, cries out from a distance. Uh, you know, in, in other versions, he's naked. 
and demon-possessed. It's almost like he's like this werewolf off in the distance howling in the moonlight. This is crazy. And here these young troop of good Jews, Boy Scouts, are on the other side with their crazy rabbi taking them into a place they should not be in. What are we doing here? Where do we find ourselves, right? You've got to be thinking, what are they thinking about now? Like, they'd be like, Jesus, what are you, why, huh? Ah, like, I should have stayed back. I should have chose a different rabbi, right? Who knows? Again, I'm speculating. Not, I would never put uh, words in, in the Bible's mouth, right? But, but, but you got to be thinking that they've got to be, this has got to be going through their minds. You know, do we trust Jesus, right, in this moment? And as many times as you can watch Stranger Things and feel that, like, do we trust any of these characters? Whether, whether you know, you're, you're on this adventure with your friends or, or you're falling behind Hopper or Joyce or any of these different characters or Steve and Dustin, they go on the kind of this adventure in one of the seasons. And so you've got to be thinking to yourself, man, can we trust each other? And trust is a, is a vital piece to this, especially in Stranger Things. And ultimately, you know, Levin is, is she is the hero of this, the, the Jedi. <laughs> she definitely has Jedi abilities, uh, which, I, again, I think they could take that from Star Wars. Uh, she has Force abilities. Um, but, but, you know, can we trust each other? And we need to trust each other to get through this. And, and, they've, and going back to the scriptures, they got to be thinking to themselves, man, do we trust Jesus in this? Would he save us? If this demon-possessed guy, which in the scripture says he runs out to them, is Jesus going to save us? And I think we got to be asking ourselves that question too. Like how many of us would trust, would trust Jesus in a situation? Like really, would you trust Jesus in a situation? Because I know I would be lying to say that, that I, I would be, I would have complete confidence. No, I mean, I'd be freaked out like everybody else. Again, I, I'm, I'm just out of high school or towards the end of high school. And here I'm following this guy that I, you know, don't know very well. Um, I'm following him. He seems like a great rabbi. I've seen him teaching off at a distance and, and I want to be trained. And wow, he's taking me to a place where my parents would freak out. But now we're here, right? And you can go back and see the Jesus has definitely proven himself just in the book of Mark, driving out evil spirits in Mark chapter one, healing Peter's mother-in-law in Mark chapter one, uh, and, and every diseased person in town in that same chapter, heals the paralyzed man in Mark chapter two. He stands up to the Pharisees on the Sabbath in Mark chapter two. He heals the, the man with the shriveled hand on the Sabbath of Mark chapter three. He gave authority to drive out demons to his disciples in Mark chapter three, and he calms the storm in Mark chapter four. Jesus is our 11. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he has the abilities, the supernatural abilities to take on the upside down, to take on the mind slayer, the mind flayers, I should say. He has a good enough resume for us to trust him. But do we do that in our own lives? That's a question for us to be thinking about. Let's continue on reading. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 6, uh, it reads, when Jesus saw when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. And a large herd of pigs are feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus sent us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. That, that's amazing. That's gangster. And the impure spirits came out and went to the pigs. 
The herd was about 2,000 in number and rushed down the steep bank into the lake where they had drowned. This, this is incredible. This is a great illusion, uh, not illusion, but a great example, a great image of the kingship of Christ. Really a great image showing that Jesus is more than king. He's God in the flesh. I mean, who, who does this? Who has set the tone for this? They are begging Jesus, right? You have demonic forces begging Jesus to let them go. And Jesus has the power to t- tell them, to give them permission in verse 13, to let them go. That's crazy. And here we see that Jesus is Yahweh, right? He is the Lord who's touched down on earth. He has the power, again, we're talking stranger things, like 11. And in and, and, um, one of the, uh, I think the last season when she's, um, again, for those who watched the, the show, at the end of that last season, she is like in this underground place, or I think it's season two, maybe it's season two. She's in the underground place. It's the scene of her like closing the upside down with her sheer might and energy. I mean, it is it is the most amazing event in 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 like television history, right? Uh, or streaming history. Um, of her having the power to close the upside down. Um, and here's Jesus doing it even greater. It's not even like he's he's got to fight against the upside down. The upside down bows down to him. Like the mind flayer would bow down to him and ask him for permission. That's how amazing Jesus is. And we see it here in this particular passage. Wow, Jesus, the King, the Yahweh, that that the the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, right? That's what these demons are saying. The, these demonic forces are saying, "Whoa, he is he is the truly Yahweh." And is and again, this Boy Scout troop of disciples are seeing this firsthand, are witnessing this with their own eyes, the power and majesty of Jesus. I mean, this is amazing, Jesus the Messiah, right? And, and this is what I get. This is this, this come to Jesus moment um, that I like to connect with Stranger Things that, we, that, takes, that takes a better turn in the scriptures, right? Because like we talked about, Forbidden Fruit and, and, these, and Stranger Things and really many shows that we see, is this idea that things will be ultimately over in the end. And they're not because there'll be a season four and I'm sure the upside down will have to be, you know, tackled again, right? There's going to be something to, to work through. Again, eventually it will end. But we see in Jesus that that he is the controller. They come to Jesus' moment is he's beyond the upside down. Upside down doesn't even have significance, right? There's no battle with the upside down in Jesus' movie or his streaming television show, right? If there's Stranger Things, the Jesus edition, it, 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 would, it would end in one season. He would just say, all right, let's go down to the upside down and conquer it in probably two episodes, right? I mean, really one episode, half an episode. Like, there's no fight, you know? It will be a short viewing experience because Jesus has the power to change things and make them the same. He has the power to follow through and what he said, he has the power to control the circumstances to his advantage. And we see that here in these few verses. And like I said, I want to end with, with personal revelation here that links back up to what I opened up with, with in terms of forbidden fruit of keeping things the same. 
Jesus is the only one to have that power to revert things back to its normal place. Let's pick up in verse 14 in Mark chapter 5. It says, Those tending the pigs ran off and poured it to the town and the countryside and to the people when they seen what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man that had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened in the demon-possessed man and told uh, about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, which means ten cities, about how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, now this is the last part of personal revelation, because when I watch a show like Stranger Things, like I said, and this idea of the struggle of wanting things to to stay the same or go back to the same, and that's our our struggle with our characters, that the reality is things won't go back to the same, to, to the same because of what has transpired, the trauma that's transpired. Well, what's cool here in reading about Jesus, they actually go back to the same. He has the power to do that. At some point, this, this guy, before he was demon-possessed, was a normal person. But then after being demon-possessed, it drives him off into the graveyard, right? The gravesite, howling in the moonlight like a crazy person, butt naked, you know what I'm saying, cutting himself with rocks. I mean, that's a far departure than where he was before. But a confrontation interaction with Jesus in the upside down, he turns this man back to his original state, dressed in his right mind, as the scriptures talk about. So much so, it freaks out the people, freaks out his friends and his family. But this is the Christian conversion, bringing us back into the place where God intended us for us to be, right? And before I became a Christian, you know, shared a lot of me watching these crazy movies. But but there's a lot of things of me, um, a lot of trauma that I'd gone through in my life that that really um, felt like I was in the upside down. Um, relationships and not knowing how to really love a woman. Um, just mixed up and caught into different sexual sin and, and, and purity issues. Um, sexual purity and pornography and things like that get, that really held me captive and, and felt like I was in the upside down. There was no hope, right? I felt like there was this evil connection that I couldn't break away from, like like Will Will Byers in in, in season one and season two. And I would put, I was possessed, much like this demoniac. I felt possessed. I felt like things that I wanted to change in my life I couldn't. I was powerless to do. But thank God for Jesus, Him coming into my life, much like this demoniac. Guy sitting down with me, studying the Bible, showing me the teachings of Jesus and, and thus showing me Jesus. Learning about him and his power and his teachings and how they can have an effect on my life, his love and his sacrifice and what he's done for me. And he's changed me. He's helped me become the Richard God wanted me to be. Really the childlike Richard that I was, full of dreams and hope and optimism about life, wanting a family and relationships and seeing um the world of what it could be, not for where, for what it was. But because of sin of, of other people and people in my life and family and my own personal sin, I've lost hope and lost that optimism. 
prior to becoming a Christian. And it led me down into a path where I found myself in the upside down and under the control of the mind flare. You know what I'm saying? I.e. Satan. And so Jesus changed everything. He had the power to subdue and control and free me from that. And that is the Christian conversion. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, Galatians uh, 3, 27 says he, we're clothed with Christ when we, become, when we were baptized as Christians. We're clothed with him, protected, saved, forgiven. And, and that's what I wanted to, to leave you with is, is that, you know, again, if you're like me, I, I love scary movies. And this is in the theme and Halloween is, 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 is coming up in days away. And, you know, there, there's this element of the spooky and, and we all kind of get into that. But when we watch these shows, in particular scary movies, there, there's a lot of this battle between good and evil, this battle of pull of evil. Now, the reality of that in our world, there's people stuck in it. And, and you don't have to go very far, especially in 2020, look around and see there's a lot of people stuck in the upside down. It feels like all of 2020 is really the upside down, you know, if you want to be honest. I feel like we're in the upside down right now with a pandemic, uh, with race issues, with political strife and, and um, partisanship. I mean, it, there's, there's just this, we're in the upside down. I don't know how the world, the words to say it. And the mind flare that is Satan is having a field day of having people controlled, subdued, and a bunch of us um, stuck uh, in our fear, our sin, our anger, our hatred, our bias, our, our, our lack of love, cutting ourselves with stones in a graveyard, howling in the moonlight, right? Um, and we can't forget that. In, in the midst of a, uh, these holidays and in the holiday season, we can't forget about what, what really is life life is like. And, and you know what's cool about Jesus is he can free you from that. What's cool about Jesus is that he leads us through that, whether you're not a Christian like the demoniac and he, and he dresses you back in your right mind, or whether you are a Christian like the Boy Scout disciples that he's leading off into this unknown area to save people like the demoniac. And that's something I wanted, if I can challenge the Christians for a moment, we need to go into the upside down, into these places to save the very people that Jesus saved. If we're calling ourselves Christians, we can't be in our nice uh, quarantined, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, it just came off the top of the dome, but quarantine areas of quote unquote church and our church friends and, and, and abstain from the world. Now, I'm not saying we go, you know try to share our faith in a strip club. But what I am saying is that we have got to reach out to these demoniacs, these people who are, are cutting themselves, who don't have the answers. And we got to allow our rabbi Jesus, our Lord and Jesus to lead us there through his scriptures and in his, in his example to save the very people he died for. And, and we can never as Christians be caught and stuck in a place where we insulate ourselves and have no contact. We're here and you still have, if you're Christian, you still have breath of life in you to save this world, right? To, to, I mean, to be the characters that, that we cheer on in like a stranger's things. It'd be really depressing if, if Eleven or some of these other characters 
said, hey, we don't need to fight against the upside down. Let's just let's just stay in our homes. Let's just move away <laughs> and leave our friend uh, Will or anyone else in Hawkins to die. No, we cheer on these characters because they are to help save others. And if you're a Christian, that is what Jesus is calling you to do. But if you're not a Christian, you find yourself, man, I don't have these answers. And I relate to a lot of what you're saying. I encourage you to find out what it is to follow Jesus. You can reach out to me. I would love to connect with you and get you connected with some people who can help you, other Christians, help you learn more about the life of Jesus. And and that's our our podcast for today. Thank you for joining. If you want to know more information about my ministry and and what I do, you can click on the links below. Check out the lessons and sermons and other uh, cool stuff that I have. And I just finished up uh, getting up my website so you can go and check out a lot of that material a lot of good stuff there thanks for joining uh, movie ministry and, and listening to us wherever you are and, you know uh, you know this is a crazy world but if you're out and you're having one of those um you know a job where where you're going out and 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 especially if you're on the, the front lines of 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 helping people in the, in the medical industry Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are going into the upside down in terms of sickness and helping those. Uh, you are valued. Thank you for doing that. But wherever you're listening to us, if you're listening to us there, if you're at home, you know, school, Zooming at home, uh, wherever you're at, or maybe you do com- commute because you have an essential job, thank you for listening. And I hope you stick around and continue to support us by joining the conversation. Thank you. <laughs>